Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most artistic, athletic, tenacious, basically unique and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Welcome to season three. As we continue to seek out some of the most unforgettable humans, some of the most memorable stories, in the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation. Ah, yeah, we have a brilliant episode for you today for a couple reasons. First of all, because you're hearing my voice from the Los Angeles International Airport, LAX, which means I'm headed somewhere. That's always, always a great thing. I'd have been pleasantly surprised with how quiet the airport has been this morning, which is perfect for recording. But more importantly, we have a brilliant episode today as we feature my favorite type of guest, a guest whose career and life is hard to summarize with a few words. Radio host, TV personality, club owner, activist, and just so much more. Someone who's proudly representing the state of Arizona, Ramsey's Ja joins the show. For years, Ramsey's has provided his talents to the masses via radio, TV, online, and in-person performances. Because of the several capacities in which he has functioned, Ramsey's has brought a unique presence and a deeper understanding of entertainment to the public. He's been a radio host, TV personality, brand ambassador, and so much more. And, and all of those accolades are enough for his own episode. But over the past few years, Ramsey's embarked on some new endeavors that are incredible. Ramsey's is part of Hashtag Lunchbag Phoenix, which inspires by living through giving. And additionally, Ramsey's and his partner Q Ward created Civic Cipher. Civic Cipher is a weekly radio show, webcast, podcast, hosted by Ramsey's J and Q Ward. The show is dedicated to empowering black and brown voices, allowing them to engage directly with their communities as well as the general population. Self-determination is critical to securing a future free of oppressive systems, and Civic Cipher exists to facilitate discussions toward this end. Furthermore, Civic Cipher seeks to inform non-POC allies who may not be privy to these types of discussions and optics. And finally, Civic Cipher seeks to provide long-form conversation in spaces where there is often a lack of significant resources, potent dialogue, or the necessary engagement for facilitating a healthy and productive civil discourse. On today's conversation, Ramses and I chat about the inspiration in creating Civic Cipher, and Ramses discusses the situation in which he left his career as a radio host in order to lend his voice to Civic Cipher. You might have just heard a plane go over. <laughs> Ramses and I also discuss the people who've inspired him and who've helped positively shape his life. And lastly, we have a little fun because I couldn't let him go without talking about music and some of his experiences in the entertainment world. This conversation stood out for me in, in many ways. We dove deep into some civic issues and I admire the work that he's doing to give back to his community. And Any Given Runway is excited to be an ally in any way we can. I love this conversation and it was enjoyable just to sit back and listen as Ramses describes some of the challenges and obstacles that Civic Cipher attempts to address. This was great. You're going to love him. So let's go ahead and bring on creator and host of Civic Cipher, Ramses Jaw, and let's learn. Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Um, I'm from, I was born in Compton, California, uh, and I lived there the first seven years of my life. Um, we're Compton and, you know, all over Southern California, Inglewood, uh, you know, West L.A., um, I moved here in 1990 when I was seven years old. So this is really my home. 
So when I leave here, I say I'm from Phoenix, but to people in Phoenix, I say I'm from California. I know we're going to have a great conversation, especially because you have such a, just a, a diverse background. And throughout all the time that I've known you, you've always been involved in different things that handled a lot of different projects. So kind of bring me up to date with your, your very unique resume that you have. Um, well, in short, um, I'm known for being a broadcaster. I broadcast here in Phoenix since 2005 professionally on commercial radio, uh, most notably uh, hip-hop stations, well, exclusively hip-hop stations. Um, and uh, I've done, I did TV for about six years with Channel 3. Um, I've been featured uh, on like billboard campaigns and like, you know, uh, print, you know, uh, magazines and, and ma- magazine covers, newspaper, you know, that sort of thing. For many years, I have a, a nonprofit that a lot of folks know me for if they know nothing else. You know, I've been uh, putting on an event called Hashtag Lunch Bag for about 10 years now. Uh, feeding the homeless in downtown Phoenix and providing hygiene kits for them. Um, and uh, most recently, um, you know, uh, oh, and a business owner, of course, you know, I have nightclubs and done a lot of DJing uh, across the valley and across the world, if I'm honest. And then most recently, uh, I started a, a radio show called Civic Cipher, yeah. where um, we have conversations that I believe will create a little bit more empathy um, in our relationships as brothers and sisters across racial lines. Uh, yeah. um, and uh, that's something that is perhaps what I'm most known for now. Um, yeah. we, we just got our 15th uh, affiliate city. So to have a radio show that's on in 15 cities present, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get it up to about 20 before the year's over. Um, that's really exciting for me. Yeah, well, congrats on that. And I want to talk a lot about Civic Cyber. Before we get that, will you tell me more about your lunch bag program, and how that started, sure. and, and how the impact that you've been able to make so far? Absolutely. So um, what happened was a long time ago, um, I was on the radio. I did the afternoon drive show, which is at that station was the highest rated, you know, um, show on the station. Um, and it was a hip hop station. So we had a, you know, we related to our audience a little bit differently. It was a lot of fun, really youthful environment, whatever. And, you know, with hip hop culture, there's a lot of like, you know, I'm the man, look at me, you know, I got a bunch of gold chains, you know, there's that, that energy that exists in that, in that world. And, and rightfully so. Um, and I was talking to a program director and uh, I had just gotten on, uh, I just uh, did a deal with uh, Channel 3 to start doing TV. It was like a five-year deal or something like that. And um, he says, man, you know, you're doing all this stuff, but what are you doing for the community? That's really what you're going to be remembered for. Mm. Um, and I says, well, man, I do a lot of stuff for the community. And I started naming all the things that I do, which, which is true. You know, my background, you know, I was the president of the uh, NAACP Black Student Union when I was in college. And so I had a lot of relationships through that organization. And I'd met a lot of people as my time as the president. Um, and, you know, I kept those relationships. So as I became this notable figure in the city, um, they would call on me to come and speak or, you know, whatever it is that they needed endorse whatever they had going on. And those were the things that I did to really kind of give back, you know, with all this status, you know, let me try to, you know, empower people that need it the most. And so I I mentioned, you know, all these things that I had been doing, I do this, I do this every year, this other thing I did last week, I did this next week, I'm doing that. And he's like, well, you know, all those things are for black people, but you have to 
bear in mind that everyone listens to your show and what you're giving back really, it, it really benefits black people. So, you know, let's think of something that benefits society as a whole. That's not, uh, that's not just Afrocentric. What you're doing is great, but you know, you can do more and you should. And, um, so after that, I had a conversation with my current, uh, co-host Q Ward and, uh, you know, he, he invited a few of his guys up. I invited a few of my guys up. So I had a powwow at the radio station. These, these other guys weren't radio guys, but we met at the station and we decided on, um, we had a lot of different ideas and we decided to do all the ideas. Um, and the one that really took off in terms of community involvement and, and, uh, you know, community support and, and media support and so forth was called hashtag lunch bag. Now that's a national movement, but our local Phoenix chapter, um, we just got a lot of support from folks. You know, we we did stuff with the children's hospital. We did stuff with women's shelters and so forth and so on. But because of privacy restrictions and because of the amount of people that these institutions can receive, we weren't able to make it as public. Whereas with hashtag lunch bag, everyone was welcome. So we'd have hundreds of people show up. We'd make lunch bags and, and hygiene kits and then go and pass them out, um, you know, on, on the, the uh, Central Arizona Shelter Services campus and the surrounding areas for many years. And then over the years, we were able to, of course, we incorporated with a 501c3 um, and uh, we formulated partnerships with lots of, uh, you know, different organizations over the years. So um, that's been something that has been very fruitful and hopefully has, has contributed in some meaningful way to not just our homeless brothers and sisters, but to the city at large. It's a fantastic program. I, I respect and admire that so much. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Civic Cypher. What was it that first inspired its creation? Um, thank you for asking that question, um, because I think that in answering it, you find the, the purpose mm. for, for it still, and you find out the kind of the source of the passion behind the, the, the show. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I worked at, you know, a radio station here in Phoenix, a hip hop station, and uh, I worked there for 12 years at the time. Um, that uh george floyd was killed um and you know we all had a had a human moment all humans had a human moment and regardless of how you chose to feel about it we all saw a human being's life get extinguished we saw we saw it happen we saw a person go from alive to not being alive anymore and you know no matter what that that changes you it's something you carry with you to see a life get extinguished you know this is why you know, we're not big fans as a, as a species. We're not big fans of gore, things like this. You know, there are individual outliers, of course, but as a species, we're not that. We have, we, we have empathy. And so we can put ourselves in, in another human being's shoes or animal or whatever it is that we, we're able to relate. And I'm no different. And uh, I took to the streets the same as everyone in 2020. I took my children out. And, you know, of course, there's a lot of angry people out there. Um, but a lot of brilliant minds on the streets, a lot of folks with great ideas, a lot of folks who, with a lot of passion and people whose voices needed to be heard. And, you know, I, with, along with my children, um, walked and marched and wrote signs and, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, it, it, the way the story goes is, you know, there are people who are just regular folks. They get up, they go to work. They live their lives and they say, you know what? I'm going to let my voice be heard. I'm going to make a sign. I'm going to go stand out there. I'm going to dress in black block and stand with these other folks. And the vast majority of those people were not black. Mm -hmm. 
they look like humanity in every single color language culture you know uh, dress you know you name it every type of walk of life was out there for black people and that felt very special and you know rather than me just making a sign you know i was having some conversation people were like well, you can probably do more can't you and i was like as a matter of fact, I can. <laughs> I absolutely can. Yeah, yeah. And I started thinking, okay, well, what can I do? And it occurred to me, I mean, it seems obvious in hindsight, but I really had to sit with it. It occurred to me, why don't I just create, I'm a broadcaster, why don't I broadcast? Mm. And it kind of got solidified when I saw, you know, on, you know, there was, I, I keep picking on Channel 12, but it was really every station that was, they were showing videos and they were saying like, oh, this riot happened today, this riot, riot, riot. And I was there and it was no riot. You know, I was there with with kids, you know, my 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 own children. And I'd take them the next day. It was perfectly fine, perfectly safe. And, you know, I, m my estimation of what was happening based on what I saw was the police being very antagonistic. Um, and, you know, remember, these aren't just black folks. We, we're used to seeing police being antagonistic when it comes to black folks. You know, it's all those black and white videos of fire hoses and dogs and stuff that we've seen for a hundred years. That's something that, um, almost we'd expect, but remember there was all different types of people out there and the police were still being very antagonistic. And the way the news was reporting it was like, somehow the protesters were rioting, causing the police to do these things. And I felt like that was very unfair. And so after putting a couple of things together, it occurred to me, wait a minute, why don't I get these people up who have these great ideas, you know, whether or not they, they'll translate into society remains to be seen, but that's not my place. I'm a broadcaster. Let me get these people up, put a microphone in front of them, and then they can say what really happened. And they can explain what defund the police means. Because yeah. if you don't know what that means, it sounds very scary, right? Yeah. Um, and these are really, like, really brilliant, well thought out, you know, ideas, you know, and it, without context, without an explanation, it's dead in the water. And so because I worked at a hip hop station, I felt like well, these people at this hip hop station are going to be allies to black people, the same as the protesters. So, you know, obviously they're using the culture to make money. Perhaps they can save a little bit of time every week to let these folks come up and say their piece um, to challenge what was being said on the big news networks, you know? And so I, I sent out an email, I included the owner and the program director at the time and uh, the general manager. And I let him know what I was trying to do. Um, and I told him, you know, I'd do it for free. We can do it in the middle of the night where it won't cost any money, you know, and uh, I have all the connections because I've been out there making the connections and really let him know, like, you know, we can do a lot more than just put a black square up on our Instagram, yeah. you know, other stations and other, other uh, companies can do that because they work with and for all people, but this is a hip hop station. This is black culture that we're using to make money from. And we probably should stand a little bit more closer to black people in this moment of need where these, this community is hurting and is, has no way to challenge the media in this media war. You know what I mean? Because the media can influence public opinion and turn folks against this and make people think that black lives matter is a movement that is meant to suggest that black lives matter more than anyone else or whatever. Yeah. If you let the media run away with that, um, then the public will start to believe that. And that's not true. So, you know, I, I tasked these gentlemen with um, 
you know, setting aside some time on the radio, it would be, it wouldn't cost him anything. Just be an ally. I'll take care of the rest. You don't even have to do anything. And originally said, they said, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's do it. We have to do this. This makes sense. This is perfect. Right on. Let's, let's make it happen. And then after some time, they said they never mind is yeah. what they said. They, they basically backed, backed up on their word. And at that point I had kind of committed to interviewing lots of those people that I mentioned that I met on the streets, Janelle Wood from the Black Mothers Forum, um, Zara from BLM Phoenix Metro, uh, Dr. Camilla Westenberg um, from the NAACP, um, you know, a, a bunch of folks, you know, folks from Chicanos por la Casa, from, um, you know, Transqueer Pueblo, um, you know, um, everybody, you know, I'm just shaking hands and letting folks know, hey, I'm going to, I got a show coming. And instead of reaching out to each of those folks, um, individually, I felt like, you know what, um, let me do this to where everyone knows. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, there was a lot of people that supported me that had listened to me over the years that had came out to see me, got outfits and bought cologne and perfume to come see me perform. And, you know, and I felt like I owed it to all those people that supported me not to just resign in front of three people, you know, I, I made sure that everyone knew that what I felt and what, who I was standing with. And, and like I said, you know, I believe that at the time, the way I phrased it was this city, we can, we can reach our potential, you know, here we can, we can, we can do this. And if I have to, you know, sacrifice my career in order to make sure that everybody moves a step for, further, then I'll, I'll do that. I'll be okay. I'll figure it out. And um, so I ended up, writing an open letter resignation that ended up getting shared thousands of times, you know, and uh, it embarrassed obviously that radio station because that's a horrible look for a hip hop station uh, to, to refuse <laughs> to, you know, do something that I've made. So, you know, I'm a long time broadcaster, so I know the rules and I made it very easy. Uh, and uh, for them to ultimately refuse that request is just an awful look. And then for them to then lose their black radio personality, because, you know, there's this idea in Phoenix that you have to take black culture and repackage it for white and Hispanic folks. And uh, so that's why you see lots of Hispanic uh, personalities and lots of white personalities out here, because the idea is that, well, white folks won't listen to hip hop music if if black people are the host or it's, yeah. it's really bizarre, but my, my challenge has always been that if they can listen to black music and, you know, use black language, if you will, and, and subscribe to, you know, black culture dress, you know, this, that, and the third, then they can listen to black people talk yeah. on the radio. Um, and this has been my, my challenge to a lot of programmers to try to get more diversity on the airwaves instead of just the music. Um, but anyway, um, you know, they, uh, they shared it and uh, a lot of programmers ended up reaching out saying, hey, you know, I'm not sure what you were trying to do over there, but, you know, if you still want to do it, I have a place for you. And so at that time, I really I mourned the loss of my career. I had this I sat right here in this room where I am and uh, had had my moment where I had to come to terms with that. I, you know, this thing I'd worked for and had been a part of my identity and who I was for such a long time was over and still move forward with that resignation. And a couple of hours later, you know, the first phone call started rolling in and uh, that's how Civic Cipher was born. I came up with the name. I sat with the graphic designer. She, my, my sister actually came up with the logo. Um, 
And, you know, I asked uh, my co-host if he would want to do the show with me on weeks when I didn't have an interview. And, you know, the, the whole thing ended up coming together. And now it's both of our shows equally. It's not, you know, my show that he's a part of. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, we're, we're on about in about 15 cities now, um, across the country. So, um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really confident that before the end of the year, we'll be on at 20 and 20, 20 markets, radio markets. And so just that neat little idea has at least grown, you know, into a national one and something that I'm very proud of. So sorry, I know that was a long answer, but that's no, it was how a it perfect answer. But there's a couple of things that really stood out for me that I kind of keep thinking about. You know, the first time you bring this up, they say yes, and then they come back and they tell you no. And you, you even said the phrase, "You're risking your career." You know, almost. You probably had a couple moments where you're like, "What have I done? How, why did I do this? Should I have done this?" And there's probably a lot of doubt, a lot of uncertainty. So how did you develop the confidence to take that step, to, to take that step and to move forward and say, "You know, I'm, I am willing to risk this." You know, I, I. I've been in, in, in a strange position like that one um, a few different times in my life. And what I think happens is it, it's for, for me, it's almost like one plus one equals two. You know what the right answer is, mm. you know? Um, you know, to, to go back, um, we had an event, a hashtag lunch bag event where we were doing a homeless outreach and we ended up seeing a little girl, a homeless little girl out there. She was digging through the, the leftover lunch bags, trying to find one that still had food in it. And anybody that sees a child digging through the trash looking for food is going to do the right thing. This is what I, I have to believe that that's true. I can't believe that I'm the only one who would do the right thing in that moment. Um, you know, I think that and, and to, to finish that story, you know, we ended up doing a fundraiser. We got that little girl and her mom an apartment, daycare, and mom could, you know, could get a job and get on her feet and all that sort of stuff. We, we came together because we saw it and we were like, yo, this isn't right. We got to fix it. Um, same thing with uh, Civic Cipher. Um, <clears throat> once I knew what needed to be done on the radio, a radio station wasn't going to stop me. Something as small as a radio station wasn't going to stop me because the idea was so much bigger and it needed to be done. And I was the one with the vision. Um, initially, when I pitched the show, I said, I don't even need to host it. You can get one of your interns to host it like a public affairs show or something. Um, and uh, that was originally the concept and they totally dialed it back. They just, he, he, what my, the program directors uh what he told me, his name is Frederico, what he told me at the time was, I don't want to do a black show. Those are his exact words and it hurt me so bad. Mm -hmm. But I tried not to let the hurt dictate my moves. I tried to really look at it for what it was and in looking at it for what it was, no matter what, the right answer is always the right answer. And again, if I stay there or just allow that to be, then basically I'm being complicit in this behavior. Same as if I left Nayla on the street digging in the trash. I'm co-signing that yeah. if I don't do anything about it, provided that I have the capability to do something about it. And uh, so sometimes the right thing is just the right thing. And I like to think that I'm one of those people that can't be bought. I know that I can't take money with me when I die. And fortunately, I recognize that if I had an extra dollar than what I have right now, I would just have an extra dollar. It wouldn't make me any happier. I have everything that I need to be happy right here. You know, I, 
I, I, the goals that I have had in my life, I have accomplished the goals that I have for my future. I am accomplishing them. So a million dollars wouldn't make me any happier. It would just make me a million dollars more wealthy. I'd probably give it to my sister. There's nothing that, in other words, there's nothing that I could buy that would make me happier. I'm already at a 10. Yeah. You know, I would, if I went to the store, I would just have more stuff. It wouldn't make me happier though. So knowing that and being at that place, it really allows you to make decisions that are based in, based on who you are, what, based on your character. And, and I don't know that I have the best character in the world, but I do know what I know. I know the world that I want to leave behind for my two sons and for your children and for everyone's posterity. I think that we can do better. And I think that in our hearts of heart of hearts, we all want to do better. And this is my way of trying to bring that about. And so far be it for me to be afraid of anyone or anything, certainly no man or woman breathing the same air as me. You know, if you can do it, I can do it and I will do it. And I have done it. And I, I think that that matters in, in my story. And so I don't really, I don't have any sort of, it's never really a question in my mind. It's just like, okay, are we going to do this? Yes or no? No. Okay. Well then how will I do it without you? And I've, I've, I found that that works. And anyone who's, you know, if you're, if you're, doing whatever it is you're doing. It could be for the, for the greater good, or it could be for your personal good. I'm, I'm not one to pass judgment. Please keep that in mind. You know, um, I feel like the only person that can really stop you is you, yeah. you know? Well, so. it, I mean, it's a tremendous philosophy. I think there's a lot of elements of stoicism in there, which I admire. I'm curious how your ethos kind of came to be with the foundation of it. Who are the people that have inspired you the most directly? And who are the people that maybe you turn to, whether they be past, present, or great leaders from the past, or great writers, who are the people you turn to when you need an answer, you have a question that you can't quite solve? Where do you take your mind to? Um, so there's one person that I, I look up to, uh, Brian Stevenson. Um, if we're going all the way back, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois is another good one. Um, Brian Stevenson is the, uh, the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative. Um, he works to like overturn wrongful convictions and he's really passionate about the um, inconsistencies and uh, in the uh, criminal justice system. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I've, 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 I, one of the people who's a current, I call her my shero, um, is uh, a woman named Dr. Camilla Westenberg. She was my teacher when I was in college. So we have a 20 years long friendship now. Um, she was not just my teacher, she was my mentor and she really made sure that I could really get through and all the way up to getting my master's degree. She wrote my letters and my letters of recommendation, all that sort of stuff. But she's, um, I took her uh, African-American literature class. Um, and so my mind has been enriched and nurtured by a lot of those authors. Um, I reckon there's a lot of people who really are not big fans of history, especially black history, because they feel like it's such a drag and, you know, black folks are stuck in the history and or in the past. But um, once you know it, you, you recognize, you, you understand the context and you understand better the sources of a lot of ailments, not just in black communities, but in other communities, because we can learn from each other. And you have a more uh, empowered vantage point and viewpoint and you can take action against these injustices or inconsistencies and so my mind has been nurtured by a lot of other great minds um maybe one day i'll have the the 
the cognitive capacity and the, the, the skills to be a great orator like these other folks. But, um, you know, I'll take what I got, honestly, you know, my father was a minister and his father was a minister. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, you know, background in, in church. And so, uh, you know, there, I've been told that I have the ability to, to communicate well, and, um, hopefully I'm using those gifts to, to try to, you know, do, do something positive, man. You know, that's, if you're as blessed and as, you know, then you, that's really all that's left, man. I don't, I, man, I promise you, man, I got diamonds and I got, you name it, man. And I, you know, I'm good with my seashells and my, you know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff is, it is, it feels like it's for a different version of a person or, or somebody I once was, man. And, and now I'm happy. I'm walking in my purpose. And, you know, I understand what Martin Luther King was talking about and all these great leaders who at the end of their lives had to come to terms with their own mortality, mm. you know, because they could feel that the end was near. And I know what that's like now. You just, you, you're happy. You're content. You know, if, if this is the last day that I live, because I get death threats for doing my show, to be honest with you, you know, there's a lot of people that are upset about some of the things I talk about. They threaten my children's lives you know, um, and I'm, I'm not that difficult a person to find. And so, you know, I have to walk in that, but you know, it doesn't shake my happiness. It doesn't shake my foundation. And again, being nurtured by all those minds, um, and all those stories has really kind of fortified me for this journey I'm on right now. Where'd you go to school? Um, I went to central and then I went to, um, Phoenix college and then I went to Arizona state and then I got my master's from university of Phoenix. With everything, with starting a show, the pandemic, lockdown, it's been a crazy 18 months for you. So what do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've learned during this time? Huh. Where do we um, begin, right? Yeah. Well, you know, one that really uh, is necessary and sad that I've learned is that um, you have to have the right context because I live in a world now that is very black and white. So I have to talk about things that are black and white. So anyone listening, I'm not trying to make it about black and white. I'm just stating the reality of yeah. my world as it pertains to this question. Um, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that the white moderate is a real thing. Um, I don't hold me cause I'm not good at quoting folks, but I believe it was MLK that said, something to the effect of the most dangerous uh, threat to democracy yeah. or to fairness or whatever, whatever word it was. But the most dangerous element was the white moderate um, because it's very easy to be apathetic. You know, those people that, you know, hey, man, it, it, it's really hard to challenge a system that works so well for you, you know. And um, there's a lot of people in this country where the system works just fine by them. And they're like, hey, man, y'all have those problems. Y'all figure it out. Yeah. And beyond that, they have no desire to engage, no real reason to. They got their own problems, you know. And so from a human level, I understand how it's really easy to prioritize yourself and not really, you know, look, I got my own walk. You know, I got my own journey. Right. But, you know, a lesson I've learned in, in kind of trying to, you know, recruit partnerships and syndication affiliates and things like that with respect to this show in the past 18 months is coming across that. And in my case, it's always been a man, that man, 
who is a white moderate who is not working against anyone but is not working for anyone save himself right and to ask this man for an hour per week um where you can still keep all your money you can keep your commercials you can keep everything but just give me an hour where you're not playing any music and we're having a conversation it could be a four in the morning on sunday when you have almost no listeners but as long as you make some time for this for your city it matters you know for those people where i made it that easy to come back and say nah you know what man i I just don't know if it'll work in this city because whatever you know reason you know i do my research so i know these cities before i even ask you know i know the people i'm asking before i ask i read their books i mean i go into these meetings prepared but that man to say no to me at the helm of what is often a hip-hop station um is very very uh hurtful and also um enlightening you know again what reason does this person have to change something that works so well for him and uh you know so to adjust my strategies and to you know recognize okay what are my pathways what are my contingencies how do i go about really spreading this message um beyond this person's capacity to say no um that has been something that i've learned and i've I've, it's kind of worked its way into my show quite a bit um but you know i recognize that those people aren't the enemy um, that they, the fight hasn't been brought to their doorstep in, in a manner of speaking. And when it is, I still have to treat those men like they're my brothers, because that's what my show is all about. It's about brotherhood. It's not an angry show. There are angry shows and there should be, but mine is not that mine is a show about healing and mine is a show about, let's try to figure out how we can understand each other and move forward together. Um, and to, like I said, create empathy. Let me give you some insight into what this looks like or feels like or is like, because you might not know and you might want to know. And so um, of all the lessons I've learned, the, the, those lessons are the hard learned lessons, the hard fought battles where you end up with, ultimately you're the decider in you know Kansas. <laughs> so I, there's nothing I can do beyond a point with the exception of reaching out to your regional vice president or the CEO of your company. And hopefully that this show appeals to them. And so far it has because yeah. every no has ended up becoming a yes, but it doesn't mean that it didn't hurt along the way. I think the objective approach is incredibly efficient and effective and it's beneficial. I think it will help reach some of those moderates as well. I think it's a, a great philosophy for that. What's been the most important book you've read over the last few years? The most important book. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's 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 probably going to be something that's really surprising um and i'm not this person i'm not this person i want to make sure that i say it but the most important book that i've read is the bible okay the reason i say that is because well there's a few reasons but one of the reasons that i say that is because in terms of there being a sort of shared moral compass that we all loosely subscribe to in this country um, being aware of how to wield that in certain spaces um has proven to be very effective um almost as important as that is it also as a philosophical instrument you know as a philosophical resource it i found that it helps you to kind of adopt a more measured approach 
to lots of things. You know, um, there's a lot of people who are ready, fire, aim. And a lot of the stories and a lot of the things that, you know, when I've sat down and I've had to like, okay, you know, I'm getting the culture of this place or this city or these people yeah. or whatever. Let me try to wrap my head around what they're doing. Or otherwise I've been in places, you know, black places, a lot of black culture in this country is shared through church um, because of how black culture started in this country, you know, slave fields get Sundays off and that's where you can also, you can worship, but you can also exchange ideas and jokes and things like that. And your culture is born there. And the legacy of that is that, you know, nowadays we still go to church and that's where a lot of our sayings come from. And a lot of our, you know, culture, you know, foods are, you know, things like this um, is, is shared in black church. And so being in church and just kind of getting, um, you know, and of course that, that book is at the center of, of the church. And so, I'm not a church person uh, in the way that my father and grandfather were, mm -hmm. but I do recognize how important that that book is. Yeah. Um, I've also read uh, uh, A Promised Land by Obama. Mm -hmm. um, I've read uh, Race Matters mm -hmm. by, um, uh, shoot, what's his name? Dr. Uh, I read it too, but um, I'm, I'm, I can't remember. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about? What's yeah. the name? Yeah. Cornell West, Dr. Cornell oh, yeah, West. Yeah, of, course, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I read that. I had read it before, but I read it again. Um, yeah. I don't want to, that probably wasn't this year. That was probably late last year, but that was when everything was happening. So some yeah. other books that I've, that I've kind of, uh, looked into, but, um, but yeah, the Bible would be the one that has the most profound implications most often. Uh -huh. um, in terms of my travels and, exactly. you know, my capacity to relate to folks or otherwise have folks relate to me. Um, and you're right. Cause you're going to have su both supporters who are know it well, and also people against your exactly. as well. And so it is a know, way. To... Yeah. You need to know what you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier that if you saw a child digging through garbage that most people you feel have the same mentality of let's, let's make a difference. And, and I do think that for the most part, humans do want to give back to community they, and they like the idea of giving back, but there's much of the time there's a gap between ideas and action. What are some of the ways that individuals can best actually make a step, make a difference and take those ideas and make them action? That's a great question. You know what? I think, um, because people are lazy, right? They like the idea. How well, can I do this without taking up my whole weekend? So, so yeah, people are lazy and a lot of times people are paralyzed by fear or they are trapped by their circumstances, at least in their mind. And there's something that I heard a long time ago that I believe is relevant with respect to this question and how, the way I remember it, it, it goes like this. Uh, what do you do when there's nothing you can do, but you can't do nothing? Mm. The answer is you do what you can. Ah. I want to say it again. What yeah, do you do? yeah, say that again. Say that yeah. a few times. I like that. <laughs> what do you do when there's nothing you can do, but you can't do nothing? You do what you can. Yeah. Right? So whatever that looks like, do that. Do it now and let it be what it is. And then if you feel if you're fueled by some conviction in your heart and you feel led to do more. When the time is right and you're able to, then you do more. What you can do and what you should do might not be necessarily what you're able to do. Mm. So um, to, to 
bring up that same example where we saw, you know, the little girl on the uh, street and, and she was to, 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 to paint this picture for folks listening outside of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, she was based at, at the shelter, you know, the, there's, it's like the Arizona equivalent to Skid Row mm-hmm. for those who are familiar with Skid Row in Los Angeles. And, you know, the streets are lined with homeless folks and then the garbage just goes in the street. Right. And all these lunch bags that we passed out, there was a big pile of them. Folks had gotten the sandwiches and the cookies and the whatever drinks and thrown the bags out. And to see a ch- child digging through that and the child was not with us that, you know, but we knew that, okay, immediately, okay, well, how much money do I have on my person? I think I might've had like $43 on me at the time. All right. This money is yours. Where's your mom, sweetheart? This money is yours. You know? And, and I had some friends with me, they pulled out all their money. Everybody just emptied their pockets right then and there because absolutely you should, you know, here, this, hopefully this does something. Is there a way I can stay in contact with you? Because just like with this show, when I was out in the streets last year protesting, I realized that me, Ramses, with all of this, these gifts that I've been given and all the support I've been given by this city, I can do more with that support. So I can do more than $46. So I will do more than $46. And I says, if there's a way I can get in contact with you, if you can give me like 48 hours, I can come back with something more worthy of this interaction and the gravity of this moment. I, I just, I can't pull it out of thin air, but if you, if you can make it two more days, I can, I can meet you where you are. And she said, sure. She told me that they, they don't let children sleep at the shelter because you know, there's like sex yeah. offenders and things like that um, out there. Uh, so she would have to leave at night and she would sleep in the parking lot of a church mm. uh, that was, they would walk back and forth. Um, and so she told me where the church was and how to get a hold of her. And I, you know, I did what I could, man. I went to, you know, my station. I says, Hey, can I have some free radio commercials? They said, sure. Um, for, for this, you know, and I took those radio commercials to a daycare and I says, would you allow me to give you free radio commercials for your daycare? If you let a baby come stay here, a five-year-old. And they said, sure. And then I, I told my followers on social media, Hey, I found a little girl. Let's try to help her out best we can. If you guys want to donate, just send the money to me. I'll show you how I spend it. And everybody sent money to me. And I went to a place and I says, can you give me a discount on a room? And they said, sure. And they gave me a month for a cheaper rate. And I took the rest of the money and the gift cards that people donated. I went to the Walmart and I got blankets and sheets and food and toothbrushes and towels and everything. And I put it in the house and then we took them in and we, and I have it on video too. Um, if you're interested in checking it out, this was many years ago, but just to show you that it's possible for a person to just come across a situation and do what they can, you know, in the moment. And if you feel led to, and you have the capacity to do more then do more. And it really does make a difference. Both of those people are alive today, healthy, you know, they're back with family. And um, I think they're in like North Dakota or something. Last time I checked, it's been many years, but you know, the little girl's you know, more grown up now and she's, you know, have living a happy life, you know, and the, the traumas and, you know, that's a cycle. That's a, that's a pit that you can get caught in right there. And she's far away from that now. And so I like to think that we had a little bit of impact on getting them out of that situation and into their current situation where they, where it appears to be like they're doing something. Uh, you're doing more than something. Lives. You're doing more than something. And it's an incredible story. I think one of many people that you've affected positively, 
one thing that you told me earlier is that next week you're hitting up state number 50. One of the goals that I have as well is to visit all 50 states. You're way ahead of me. Gosh, uh, just as you look back on the 49 states that you've been to and District of Columbia, which are some of the memories that stand out for you? Um, Georgia. Mm. Those, uh, those hills that they have in Georgia yeah. and those, the, the green yeah. And those big mansions, those Which for an Arizona kid, when you see that green, it's like, yeah, what man, is it, it, it grass? Changes. What is grass? <laughs> yeah, man. I've, I've been, I'm from California, so I've been to beaches. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I've seen all that stuff. But in Georgia, that's different. That's, they're just majestic. And the people there are so friendly. It's just, it's the South. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to say Georgia. I'll say Atlanta because, mm-hmm. you know, some outside of the city in Georgia, it's, um, they got some catching up to do, but Atlanta was one of my favorite places. Um, I loved Seattle. Um, there's lots of uh, folks that are unsheltered in Seattle, and and that city se- seems to treat them very well. Um, the architecture in Seattle, just the general vibe of that place, it just feels very special. Um, I wasn't there when it was raining or anything like that, so you know that wasn't how I remembered it. Uh, Vermont. Mm. Seemed to be another place that was very friendly. Um, in fact, we just got picked up for at, on a second station in Vermont, which Ooh. is kind of weird because who <laughs> thinks of Vermont? But yeah, yeah they yeah. love us in Vermont. Yeah. So, uh, so that's exciting. But yeah, Vermont, they have a lot of, um, I just remember them having like a lot of loving signage in Vermont. Um, just, you know, everyone's welcome here. We don't care what language you speak, you know, we'll learn your, like, it just was a really special place to be. I, I, you know, I'm a DJ, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Vegas. I'm a fan of Miami. Um, you know, uh, New York is obviously a really special place. I would never live there just to New York city. I mean, it's just too intense of an environment for me to stay in all day and all night, but um, it certainly is a special place. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's a short list right there. I, I, I can find something beautiful about just about everywhere. Uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to see all the, the states in this, this great land of ours. And, um, you know, this is going to sound really weird coming from a black person who's very critical of, you know, a lot of government institutions where I find there to be systemic racism that adversely affects black and brown communities. But I am proud to be an American, man. I love this place. It's beautiful. And I love the people in Bucksnort, Tennessee at the Waffle House that look at me like I'm an alien when I walk in, but are also decent folks. Trump votes think, you know, the world is an entirely different place than the way I feel it is, but they were decent folks. They have conversations with me. They, you know, they're not just mean for no reason, yeah. you know, they, they were kind people. They treated me well. You know, I've been places where I didn't think, I didn't expect that. You know, they just got a different view of things and God bless them. I hope that they find their way, you know, but, um, it's a fantastic philosophy. I love that you see the beauty in everything. And for someone, I was actually in Tennessee last week. So I'm having visuals of when you describe that situation. If I could pick you up and put you anywhere of all the places, 49 States that you've been, if I can pick you up and put you anywhere for the next meal for dinner tonight, meal, what was the one that you still are thinking about the food in, in location? The next meal, huh? Go anywhere in the States. For food. Um, where would I go? Oof. I wish I was more of a foodie now. Because um, I have an answer. Well, I have two answers, but they're not 
they're not anything special. I don't think. You know, you mentioned Waffle House. Waffle House has been a popular answer on the show. So it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) I, I'm, I'm really a breakfast food type of person. So I, I would love to knock out a Waffle House. Um, you know what? I went to, oh no, I already said that place. I'm trying to think of a place I haven't said. Um, Uh, nah, nah, man. I, I, okay. I'm going to go. There's two places that I've eaten that I really like. There's a place in Manhattan. Um, it's a tiny restaurant. I couldn't tell you the name, but I know it, I know where it is relative to times square. Um, and, uh, it was just a wonderful restaurant and I loved it. And I ate there every day when I was there and I still try to go back if I can, if I'm, anywhere you know north of new jersey yeah. try to get, try to get back to that place um but i couldn't tell you the name of it i could just find it on foot yeah yeah and then there's a place in um in atlanta where they make jamaican food you know mm. what i mean so i would that's why i said i wish i had a better story because i who wants to go to atlanta to eat jamaica food you would rather go to jamaica but man it was so good um and uh yeah man if i when you said where could i eat and that, that was the first thing that popped in my head <laughs> oh that jamaican spot man okay. i loved it but, um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest foodie. I'm, you know, usually when I'm moving around, uh, I'm on a mission and, uh, well, as a breakfast guy, are you team country potatoes or are you team hash brown? Oh man. Uh, let's see. It depends on how they're prepared, man. If you true, smother true. them and true, true. and, uh, you know, there's this, uh, thing that I like at a place near my house called Lucy's. Um, oh. they have like, it's called a country potato medley. Mm. and they they put onions and they fry it with a little garlic salt and it's they're so good mm. but then there's a like a chain called scramble and their hash browns are amazing you know so it depends on how you make them i'm i'm good i haven't found breakfast food that i don't like well i'm not a big pork eater so you yeah. know anything without pork i'm good but I, you know I'm, I'm team hash brown but you got me thinking about lucy's i'm about to make a stop yeah man they're, they're really good because you know I, know I know what you mean those big potatoes there's like a lot to chew through you yeah. know you want to just kind of enjoy your food you don't want to have to work to enjoy it but man the way they make them they're so soft and it's 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 rewarding to buy and, into those potato wedge or potatoes chunks i guess so from, right. uh, well what was that what was the first album you ever bought Huh. First album. Shoot, man, you're going to laugh. So uh, my father was a minister and my mother, birth mother, was a minister's wife. Mm. And so growing up, uh, you know, it, it was all church music. So when I was able to buy my own music, it was you remember those uh, mailers that came in the magazine where you can get like 10 CDs for one cent. Uh, or Columbia whatever. House and um, yeah, Columbia what, House, BM, BMG, I think was the other one or BG, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, re- I remember those. Um, so it was one of those. I, I believe it was Columbia House, but um, I signed up for that program because at yeah. the time CDs were the new thing yeah, when yeah. I first got my first CD. And I ordered um, the Aladdin soundtrack. <laughs> uh, I ordered, uh, <laughs> this is to tell you how long ago this, this was, I ordered... Um, some like Christian music that I could like play in the house. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, what else did I get? Like a bunch of stuff like that. So those were technically like my first CDs, okay. but among my first CDs was uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, The Art of War okay. and uh, Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg. Someone gave me that one, but I lost it and then I had to buy it again. So yeah. I remember spending money on it. I didn't have a lot of money growing up. So just buying a CD was a big deal because I could, you know, play it and I'd have to take the, cause it was a whole radio. I had to take it outside and plug it and listen real low. Yeah. That, yeah. that Snoop album was, I think my second one. Yeah. Uh, 
the first concert you ever attended? Ah, first concert. Um, we might have been at the same one. Let me think. The first concert I went to. How about first big concert okay. I went to? Um, that would have been a Snoop Dogg concert at the used to be called Desert Sky Pavilion yep, by the by the mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a Snoop Dogg concert. Um, and it was when I was in high school and I went with my lifelong best friend. Uh, his name is Kevin. Um, folks that listen to radio, you know, might be familiar with the name Bootleg Kev. Of course. Or within hip hop. And I think he might have been maybe eight years old at the time. I might have been 12, you know, um, and we went to the Snoop Dogg show. His mom let us go. Uh, or my mom and his mom let us go to yeah. the show together. And uh, I remember us jumping seats so we can get a little closer oh. and we never got caught. And that started a trend for, for the next decade, at least, where we would go to concerts and sneak up and try to meet the people, you know. And then we made careers out of it, you know. Yeah. As I mentioned, he's a, he's a broadcaster and he does artist interviews. And I did that for a long time. And obviously I have, you know, this this journey that is a little different from that now but yeah. uh, that part of my journey certainly prepared me for what i'm doing now and and so yeah shout out to bootleg kev most memorable interview that you conducted most memorable interview that i can makes you the most proud that you're like damn you know i am so glad i was able to interview this person um you know they're all a little special but i will say the one that i think has the most views on my youtube channel is an interview i did with asap rocky mm. um that i had scheduled after his concert um, and I took a, a radio personality who now works at TMZ. Her name was Brittany Rose um, with me. She held the camera. And in the hallway, before I went into to Rocky's room, I saw Schoolboy Q there, mm. who's another artist for those that don't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I saw Schoolboy Q, I was like, hey, man, I would love to interview you too. Um, and I don't know how much time you have, but shoot, man, even if you have to come in and kick in this door here, and just say like, on some like, F your interview, I'm here, interview me too, man. <laughs> yeah, Come yeah. on in, man. I'd love for you to be a part of, you know, let's get you on camera and let's ask you a few questions. And he says, um, all right, man, well, you know, I got to go sign these autographs or whatever, but you know, if I get done in time, I'll, I'll come see what's up. So I was like, dope. Okay. So, and I started interviewing, um, uh, Rocky and then, uh, you know, a couple of minutes into the interview, boom, door gets kicked open and schoolboy Q comes in. And he's like, F your interview. It's about me, you know, and he sits down and then we start laughing and having a good time. And, uh, you know, that ended up being my most viewed, uh, YouTube video. So it's something I'm really proud of. And just to know that that many people have taken that interview into their home and spent time with it. Yeah. That feels kind of special. I know it's, I'm not the biggest artist interviewer in the world, but in terms of those that it, it feels like I got, I got my little hip hop moment out of that one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll take it. So, very cool. Very so, cool. Yeah. Just an absolute delight. Gosh, certainly a thrill to chat with you, man. Love, love what you're doing for Arizona. And I love your philosophy and the foundation that you have a part of it. And I'm excited to see you continue as you get new networks across the United States. We'll get that number to, let's get that number to 50 by next year. I'm looking forward to it. How I'm going can for people, 100. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Let's do 100 by next year. How can people <laughs> listen to Civic Cipher and how can they follow your life and your career and keep up to date? Sure. Um, so you can follow me at Ramses Ja. That's R-A-M-S-E-S-J-A. 
that's me on every social media platform, uh, including Facebook. You just have to make it two words. Um, but uh, as far as the show is concerned, uh, it's all at Civic Cipher. Uh, same same philosophy. It's that across the board. Civic C I V I C Cipher C I P H E R. Conventional spelling for both words. Um, you'll find us everywhere. Uh, if you want to listen to any previous episodes, it's available on every podcasting platform. It's available on. Uh, actually, you, if you just went to the website civiccipher.com, you, it, it, all the options are there, including our uh, syndication affiliates. So if you want to listen to the latest episode when it airs in your city, um, provided we have an affiliate in your city, you'll have the, the, the showtime and the, uh, the station. Um, and if it's not on in your city, then, you know, shoot me some, uh, some, you know, words and let me know what station you think it would work on. And I'll reach out to the programmers in that city, or you can reach out to them directly and say, Hey, you should carry this show civic cipher. I think it's important for, you know, your station to broadcast this type of content and these types of conversations. And you can go to bat for me. Um, either way, I'd appreciate any support. Uh, and, and just so you know, um, it does cost money to grow. And uh, for those who feel led to do so, I, you know, I'm not asking, but if you feel led to do so, it is possible to donate through the website as well. Um, money moves the needle. Um, and, you know, I'm on a mission and I've learned that you have to let folks know how they can support you monetarily as well. And so, um, again, that's civiccipher.com. Um, but even a follow, a like or a kind message would go a long way with me because, you know, it, it helps put the wind in my back. So I'll take that too. This has been pretty, uh, pretty thorough, man. You know your stuff. I'm, I'm flattered uh, to have, you know, it's an honor that you would invite me on your show to Thank you, Thank even you. talk about this. You know, it's, no, I, it's the damn surprising. thing is, is, is I got so many other questions. I, I think you and I could rap about all kinds of different stuff, just from sure. Arizona topics to societal issues to music. And then we got, we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, man, absolutely. But no, man, this is great, man. I, you know, I, I, I these aren't like just the generic questions these are questions that are really tailored more toward me being able to answer them so i appreciate that much man i think it's great so well thank you man i would love to do this again i'm always here man just okay. just shoot me a line and, and we'll let's knock out it, another let, one let's do it in person next time sure man we're we're in the same city man i, I would love that you know yeah. sit down I, in the I, studio and i will and maybe we'll get breakfast at lucy's i'm i'm, man, I'm down man let's my do man. it man this was this was great this is one of the, the better ones i've had man Really, well, and thank I feel you like we really me. only. I feel like we only scratched the surface, but based on time, that's really all we could do. I think what you're doing is incredible, and yeah, let's 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 stay in contact. Up. Yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. And then, um, like I said, man, starting the beginning of next year, hopefully, I'll have a lot more to talk about and a lot more growth that, um, you know, uh, I'll be able to share with with your listeners. And yeah, you know, I'll get this up there. in um, probably the first week of December. Sure. All right. Well, shoot. Let me know, man, and I'll echo it on my end. Okay. My man. All right, brother. I'm going to go get my son from school. I feel you. Yeah, so I'm going to go pick him up. He's out at 2.30. Um, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, sir. All right, All we'll right, talk soon. You. All right, bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to my man, Ramsey. Lots of different places in which you can stay involved. First of all, give him a follow, at Ramsey's Jaw. Follow Civic Cipher. And lastly, be sure to follow hashtag LunchbagPhoenix. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.